preached last week, and I was like, man, I haven't preached for like three weeks. I'm ready to preach. I heard a song last night. It was shared on Facebook. I'm one of those, anybody is one of those people that if you hear a song, you just absolutely play the snot out of it until you get tired of it. Anybody? Okay, my people. There's like six of us. We should all get together and listen to the same song over and over and over and over. I shared it on my Facebook uh, page. Ain't no grave. And I shared this with somebody this morning um, as I had it on repeat in the kitchen cooking coffee. Um, I said, does it, does it not amaze you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you have Jesus Christ in your life, you've repented of your sins, he's come into your life, okay? Does it not amaze you that, forgive my English, this is just the lyrics of the song, there ain't no grave that's going to hold your body down. That kind of grave doesn't exist. There's no grave strong enough. So when Steve Harvey introduced Jesus like this, you realize that Jesus has conquered death by being raised from the dead by his father, God. And that's the same Jesus that we get to study in Hebrews. We are going to be in Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, did you know that, that God can't be anything other than good? He can't be anything other than good. Somebody's messing with my thing. They, they, put, they put my clock upside down. They probably do that on purpose on Wednesday nights of band practice. But anyway, um, now it's going to forever be like that. I'm just going to have to leave it. <clears throat> what we have to understand is there's no grave that can hold your body down. And I lost a friend of mine this week to, uh, to complications with diabetes. He was in his late 70s, and he was a very, 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 very good friend of mine. He was a St. Louis Cardinal. Supposedly, there's a football game on this afternoon. I'm just going to watch TV for the commercials. I don't know about you. But he, he was a sports fanatic, and, and I, was, I, was, I was remembering some times with his, with his wife. I was talking with her. Um, if, you, if you want to add her to your prayer list, her name's Kathy. But I was talking to Kathy about Bob, and... And I, I messaged her about that song. I said, you realize that when Bob stepped out of this, this human body, his soul went directly to heaven into the presence of his God. And there ain't no grave. <laughs> when we dive into Hebrews, and it's, it's very, very deep. You dive into Hebrews, and last, or the first four verses that we got through, yes, four verses, um, that we got through three weeks ago, uh, talked about just the infinite goodness and, and how good God is. What he's set up, what the writer of Hebrews wants to set up. In the, in the last several verses, of, um, we're going to begin in verse 5 and go to the end of the chapter today. But it, it talks about who Jesus is greater than. We, you know, we have our, we have our, uh, our logo, that Jesus with a greater than sign. We have to understand that you don't have anything in your life that Jesus isn't greater than. You're having a bad day with, with your spouse or you guys fighting, okay? You're having a bad time, um, you feel lonely, you feel alone, you feel ex- exhausted, you feel anxious, you feel all, all of this stuff is minimal because if you have Jesus, you have more. So if this morning you're here visiting with us for the first time or you're listening online, you have to understand the first thing is this. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Everything. Did you know that he, he didn't suddenly become not good he can't do that jesus is greater this morning's sermon jesus is greater than the angels wow some of you are like well duh man let me show you how, how let me show you how good god is 
this morning, if you're on Facebook page with Connections Facebook page, this is how good God is. You ready? Now remember, we, have, we, we may have different jerseys on, but we're, we're fighting against the principalities of this world and the evil stuff of this world for God's kingdom and to further it, first of all, first and foremost. So I sent, I sent a, a message to my friend last night that's involved with this. This is how big God is. is. You ready? On Connections Facebook page, we publicly put out a, a thing on our a post on our page that said we celebrate and we rejoice with the people at Logan Street Baptist Church moving into their new building and they would further God's kingdom with their new building. And at the same exact time that they move on North 42nd Street, Sugar Camp Church comes in and takes over Logan Street's building. That's how good God is. You see, people are like, well, we had this many and we had this many. Numbers don't matter. The impacting of people for God's kingdom is what matters. That's what's matter. That's it. So this morning, I just want to take just a couple seconds. I'm just going to pray. I want us to pray as a group of people. And I want you to pray for those two churches. Some of you are going to understand what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea, and that's no problem. Listen to me. The past is dead and gone. Jesus provides us with forgiveness and repentance, and it's time that we put our faith in a reconciliation and leave it where it goes. Let's pray for them with me. Pray, pray, pray. God, we love you. We, God, we just ask that you bless Logan Street and Sugar Camp this morning and their new to them and new buildings this morning as they move in. God, we just pray as a church, God, that we can support them, God, and as a bigger picture of the capital C church, God, that all three of us, including the other Bible-believing churches in this county, God, can, can move forward to further God's kingdom. God, I pray that you start a revival and you start it right here in this county. Start it with these people because you're good. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Some people have talked to me about the first sermon that I did on Hebrews. And they said, Matt, you didn't give us enough room in the, in the margins of the, of the notes or the pages for our, our blanks to take any notes. If you need a notebook, I'll get you one. <laughs> and you just bring it. You get a composition notebook. You can take some notes, take some notes in your Bible. But if you are taking notes, this is going to be something very helpful when you go back or you're listening to another sermon in Hebrews. You're going to go back and read some of the notes that you may have taken down, something that God speaks to you through Scripture. You can write it down. It'll help you. Look at the very first blank. This is very, very important. Very first blank in our, in our worship handout this morning. If you have a green piece of paper, they're right in the middle here. But you must read Scripture in the light of the rest of Scripture, especially in the light of the New Testament. What in the world? You must read Scripture in the light of the rest of Scripture. This is, this is what this means. We cannot pick... You, you cannot read the Bible with tweezers. You can't do it. You can, and then you'll be wrong most of the time. Okay, oh, I like this first, and pluck this, and pluck this, and pluck this, and okay, oh, perfect, all right, yeah. Um, if you read out of context uh, a scripture that Paul writes in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that does not mean you can go out and bench press a bulldozer. Oh, yeah, Jesus said, no, he, listen, that's not in the context of that verse. 
that whole chapter deals with Paul's contentment, which is pretty opposite of bench pressing a bulldozer. <laughs> it's pretty opposite. We have to read Scripture in the light of the rest of Scripture, especially in the light of the New Testament. Now, this is important because the writer of Hebrews does a very, very good job at connecting, and you're going to see that this morning. He connects the New Testament with the Old. Do you know what happens when you connect the New Testament with the Old with the Bible? I wonder why he wrote, oh, yeah. The writer of, of, of Hebrews, if you remember, uh, when he, he wrote this, this letter, Writer or writers, they do not know for sure. They're writing to a group of people that were probably traditional Jewish people that followed Jesus. So today we would call them Messianic Jews, believing that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they would have received Christ just like you and I have. Okay? They would have asked him to come into their life. This is, post, this is post-resurrection, post-crucifixion. Jesus at this time is already back in heaven. Um, but why is context like this so important? Last week, if you were here, and if you were not, or you missed the, la- the first sermon in Hebrews, you can go on our app or our website, and all of our sermons are archived. But one thing Colton did last week, and I want to I I ask you this. If you were here last week or you heard a sermon, how many people knew about Acro-Corinth, which is the mountain where, the te- where there was a temple on top outside of the, ch- the, the town of Corinth? See, that's why it's important. Okay, and now some of you, I've piqued your interest, and if you don't know what Acre Corinth is, go back and look. And he did a very good job at explaining that they had an immoral, wrongful look at love and lust and pleasure. And that's why Paul, in chapter 13, talks about godly love that you would hear at a wedding. Love is patient, love is kind. It's very good. And he did a very good job at explaining the background and looking at, looking at Scripture deep. Hebrews, as you'll find out, if you didn't already know, fits the Old and the New Testament together just like a jigsaw puzzle. We're going to find out today why, uh, who Jesus is in a a much bigger way, a much broader way, in 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 a span of time that is very, very far apart. These people that they wrote Hebrews to, would have been very intelligent, very understanding of the Old Testament. So the writer of Hebrews uses something that's common. He finds a common ground for these people, and he speaks on it. We have a young man uh, that's been coming to our church, and when people come in, new people, I try to find a common ground. It's how you make friends. You find a common ground, whether you hunt, whether you fish. Uh, this, this young man plays baseball, and he, he said, well, I'm going to school and I'm playing baseball. I said, oh. I speak baseball. And we started talking. And you, you, build, you build a rapport based on something that you have in common. So what, Paul, or what the writer of Hebrews does, some people think it's Paul, but it's not proven. Uh, the writer of Hebrews finds this. They, they do understand the Old Testament. So they, he does a lot of back and forth comparisons to show that a lot of, thing, a lot of attributes about Jesus are going to be in here. Okay, he's explaining who and why Jesus is who he is. In verse 4 that we looked at several weeks ago, it says that the Son is far greater than the angels. And we covered that one. And you say, well, why are you preaching on it again? Because they weren't done. (laughs) They weren't done talking about how good and how big God, Jesus is. So in verse 4 of, of of, if you have the first chapter of Hebrews open, in verse 4, it says, this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name of God given, uh, gave him is greater than their names. And we talked about Jesus being not just a name, it's a name above all names. 
Steve Harvey says before the kings of comedy, Jesus was claimed the king of all kings. And he's not wrong. That's scripture. He was declared, did you know that Jesus was declared the Messiah before he was born? He was declared the son of man by Daniel 700 years before he was physically man-made, man-person born. 700 years. Now, when we talk about Jesus and the angels, I want to be very, very, very clear. Angels are created beings. Okay? They're created beings. They do have a purpose and a job. And there are different types of angels. If you look back to Genesis, whenever Adam and Eve got in trouble and they sinned, God kicked them out of the garden. He says he, puts an, he put an angel there with a flaming sword. Now, I don't know about you, but that's cool. Anybody like Star Wars? This is cool. You imagine an angel. I don't even know what it was. It was the original lightsaber. I don't know. But, but these angels have different jobs and different purposes. Some of them, if you read the New Testament, we, we like to wear lockets around our neck. There's nothing wrong with this, but I want to show you something. We wear a locket around our, necklace or around our neck and it says, I have, a, I have a guardian angel. Let me tell you, that's not true. And I'm not going to burst your bubble, ready? The New Testament says that we have guardian angels, plural. How many? I have no idea. But when it says that Jesus could have called down thousands and thousands and thousands and legions of angels to completely destroy the people around the cross, it's a lot. <laughs> We're protected. They have different jobs that they do. Some of the coolest ones are, are recorded in Revelation. They have six wings. With two of them, they fly. Okay? And they're, they're off, they, they surround the throne of God, and the only thing they do is sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, Holy, Holy is our God. They, forever. That's why they, they literally, God is so amazing that he created things just to worship him. And somebody, somebody asked me one time, isn't that narcissistic? <laughs> isn't that kind of prideful? No, no. He's God. <laughs> he can't sin. So he's creating this because he's that holy. So with two of these angels, they fly. And God is so holy and they're in his presence, they cannot physically look on God. So with two wings, they cover their eyes like this. This is astonishing. We've never seen anything this holy. And God is so holy, he can't look on them. So with the other two, they cover their feet. So their wings, wings, flying. And they sing forever. Now they're created beings. Okay, they do not have a soul. That's why in creation, when God talks about coming down and he forms Adam in the mud and in the scripture, the Bible says that he, he breathes life the, the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And now some of you are like, oh, that's gross. Well, that, he did it, okay? So he, he breathed in and, and man was created. Then God caused man to fall asleep. He took one of his ribs out and out of, out of man he made woman. We are the sole prized possession of creation. And we're the only ones that have the audacity to say no to what he says. Think about that. The ocean only comes so far. God goes, nope, you stop there. And it stops. In Mark, we see that Jesus has uh, this huge storm going over. And Jesus walks up and he says, peace, be still. Just chill out, wind. And the waves stop. Shows his power over nature. But to us, we have free will to choose. And that's a good thing, but it's often a not good thing. Anybody ever made a bad choice? We don't even have to raise your hand. You have. Okay. And so have I. But we have to look at the, how, how holy 
God is. Angels are created, but they do not have souls. If you read earlier in the Bible, a third of the angels, there was a beautiful angel called Lucifer. Listen, a third of the stars fell, it says. A third of the angels came down. It's a lot of of deepness, and I don't want to go on that sidetrack, but angels are created, and they fight. If we could have a, a pair of goggles that we could put on our face, and we could instantly see in a spiritual realm of what the angels fight against, I'm going to tell you right now, there wouldn't be a lost person that put those goggles on. To to see the the warfare between good and bad and the struggle over even some individually, some of our lives or our marriages are at stake. But Jesus, who we get to sing about, who was put in the ground and for three days laid there, his body laid there, And then God says, arise, showing power over a grave. I don't know about you, but whenever I get to, when I start to try to understand who I'm worshiping, I get a little bit excited. I listened to that song last night, and some of you, some of you are going to listen, hopefully listen to that song as, as you, as you leave, but keep in mind, I already knew when I was preaching that Jesus is bigger and greater than the angels, and then I sing this, or hear this song a friend of mine shared with me, it says, ain't no grave going to hold my body down, and I'm like, can we go to church now? It was 9 p.m. last night. I got this much sleep, I just sat there, just laid there, mm. Isn't it an awesome feeling that you can't wait to get to church? It's not about me. It's not about the band. It's not about any of the leaders. It's about God. Because when we gather together, God shows up. It's a promise of scripture where two or more are gathered. God shows up. The Bible also says, do not neglect meeting together. You know, this is the toughest Sunday to get you to church. This is the toughest Sunday in the year to get you to church. You know why? There's some football game on this afternoon. It's not the World Series, people. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> and some of you are like, I'm never coming back because he likes baseball more than football. <laughs> I will watch the game. Ish. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll definitely, I'll make sure I watch the commercials. Anyway, and the Puppy Bowl. My girls are really interested in watching the Puppy Bowl. I guess that's a thing, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> But there's a huge difference in status between Jesus and the angels. Look at, look at the next blank. Look at this. This is, this is really cool. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not. An angel may serve as a messenger and a witness, but not as God's son. Do you know why? Because an angel didn't bleed their blood on the cross for you. There is a status difference between these two. An angel can never be God's son. And we're going to see in scripture how the writer says that. But an angel may, may serve as a messenger. We see that Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 and 2 comes to Mary and to Joseph and says, Hello, Mary. I don't, I don't know if he did that slide or whatever. I don't know if he did that. But he came, he came and said, you're going to have a baby. He comes as a messenger from God. Do you know, do you know that an angel absolutely 1,000% has to do anything that God speaks him to do? No choice. They are created by God for use by God. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put this on the screen. But look at verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5 of Hebrews. This is so good. 
you underline in your Bible. I didn't underline anything on these screens because in my Bible, everything is underlined, and I didn't want to be annoying to some people. I don't know what's So you, feel free. So I, I, dad asked me, my, my dad's a pastor in Wayne City, and he asked me, he said, how's, how's Hebrews going? I said, maybe, maybe we can start whenever we put the first slide up. To say, you know, are you ready to take notes? And everybody at the same time can go. <laughs> Listen, for God... For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. Right there. There is a difference. Never, never did God say to any angel what he said to Jesus. Look at this. Look at the words. You are my son. The word son is a big deal. Jesus Christ was not adopted. He is the divine, holy, and perfect son of God. That is a capital S. That is a proper noun. Pretty good for a PE teacher, right? It's a proper noun. It's capitalized. He is God's son. Jesus was not adopted into divine sonship by somehow God adopting him. He has always been the eternal son of God. Our minds cannot wrap around the, the, the meaning of the word eternal and forever. If you've seen The Sandlot, which is also a movie about baseball, you hear this very, very awesome pronunciation of the word forever. Forever. Right? You can lay in bed at night all you want and repeat forever over and over to yourself, and the only thing that you're going to get is more confused. At least I did. Forever. Look at this. You are my son. Today I have become your father. This does not speak of a time. This means it's always been. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. They've always been. Well, Matt, how, do they, how are they three separate things, entities, and then they're one God? I don't know. And I don't have a seminary professor that I've ever met that can explain that to you. In Deuteronomy 32.43, if you just want to jot that down, it's Deuteronomy 32.43. We can read that, listen to this. The angels bow down in worship to Yahweh. And when you look at that word, it is God, but he's referring to Jesus. Because Jesus is greater. Now the writer of Hebrews is identifying Jesus as this person. It doesn't mean different persons. Keep in mind, it's the same, I know, it's the same but different. I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm asking these questions and there are questions that my daughters would ask me like, hey, why did God make the grass green? I don't know. You can explain scientifically about chlorophyll, but it's not, gonna, it's not, to, it's not going to appease them. Okay? Uh, how can they all be different? You have to read scripture in light of other scripture and see how they fit. You can see the angels worship Jesus. It, it's not the other way around. The angels worship Christ. The angels declared the birth of Jesus. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a hierarchy, and they're not up here. They're down here. Angels are never in Scripture, ever in Scripture, never in history referred to as son. Never. Look at verse 6 with me. And when he brought this, his supreme son into the world, God said that all of God's angels worship him. Now, son into the world. 
This is the birth, the physical human birth, that Jesus was totally God and totally man at the same time. I can't explain that either. Okay, We have to take God's word for what it is. And when he brought this, his supreme son into the world, he uses the word supreme. We're not talking about a pizza or a group of singers. We're talking about an ultimate. He is the son, only son, capital S, only divine God's son. Into this world, he was born of a virgin. And God said, let all the angels worship him. In Deuteronomy 32, 43, rejoice with him, you heavens, and let all of God's angels worship who? Him. He deserves it. Jesus did something that the angels can never do. And we are the only religion on the face of the earth that the creator comes down and dies and gives up their life for the creation. It doesn't happen in any other world religion, ever. It's a dominating or a dictatorship or you do this kind of God situation. And by the way, those are little g gods. They're not talking about the God of the Bible. not talking about the God of Israel. They're talking about little g God. That all of God's angels worship him. Look at verse 7. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds. You want to see something really, really, really cool? Look at this. He sends his angels like the winds. That means wherever he wants to go, wherever he wants to send them. His, sermon, his servants like flames of fire. I don't know about you, but that really interests me. That he sends these angels, these servants that are like flames of fire. We'll read more about angels and, and, and how people and how people, physical people like us, uh, saw angels and what they said to angels. But he sends his angels like the wind, his servants like flames of fire. Look at your worship handout. Here you go. <clears throat> Look at the next blank, please. Angels are our only servants. Oh, that's the bottom one. Yeah, sorry. Angels are our only servants, but the Son is divine. You can fill that on the, on the bottom one. That's my fault. Angels are only servants, but the Son is divine. Servants. They're called to do what they're called to do, and that's it. They, they don't have a decision making. That's, that's already done. The, the, the ones that were going to choose to follow Lucifer, that's, that judgment is already done. They're not, they're not going to differentiate their minds now. They serve God or they battle God. That's it. The line's been drawn. Look at verse 8. So he just says he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. And then if you want to underline this, but to the Son, he says. Do you know that this word Son right here is singular? It doesn't say the sons of God. It says the Son of God. But to the Son, he says. You want to underline something and see how important Jesus is? Let's look at this. Your throne. Your. That's possessive. It's yours. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. How about this? You rule. Again, this is singular. You rule with a scepter of justice. You rule. Look at verse 9. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. 
this is something that I was just blown away with. So God creates these angels, okay? Cover their face, cover their feet, fly with the other two wings. They just encircle the throne of God and they sing praises to him forever. They've been doing it since eternity past and will to an eternity future. Until God ceases to exist, which is never. Forever. So, so God creates these angels to do this. And the angels may surround God's throne, but there's only one person sitting at the right hand of him. Jesus. You see, I don't know about you, but if, you've, if you understand the situation that God's here and Jesus is at the right hand side of him. He's sitting in a place of honor. There's no one that has ever done what Jesus has done. There's no one that will ever do what Jesus has did. He's singular. These angels are, are holy. They, they've, never, they've never been. If you read Revelation, it literally translates some of these angels. Are, they're called fiery ones, ones that are on fire. What, I don't even know what that means. It's kind of cool. <laughs> but again, this John, and, every, and when John writes Revelation, he uses so many, well, it was like this. Because there was nothing that he'd ever seen that could hold a candle to it. He's pouring oil, pouring out the oil. He was anointing uh, his son. In Psalm 45, you can read these words. Just, just look at this verse real quick. Just look at this verse. In Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, you, you can read this. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. Sound familiar? Why would he do that? Going back to Psalms, to the psalmist, the psalmist is looking at this, and he's giving God the credit. This is pre-Jesus even being born, because he already existed. David, if he wrote, if he wrote this psalm, um, there were a couple of guys that helped with that, more than that probably. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. It's, just, it's, it's the claim of, yes, yes, yes. In verse 10, he also says to the son, in the beginning, Lord, you, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. <laughs> he says to the Son, singular, capital, proper noun, Son, one, only, Jesus. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. This has two direct correlations. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created, right? John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were created by Him and through Him and for Him. Notice the similarity. Hebrew writer is, is making sure doctrinally that he sets the tone right. And some of us don't understand Sometimes I have a hard time dealing with this. So it, I have a hard time grabbing onto this. It's not hard for me to believe because I believe in God and I've seen his power. But sometimes it's hard for me to grab and take in. Some of us have had a hard week. 
Some of us have had a really rough morning. Maybe you've had a rough last month. Maybe you've lost all kinds of stuff this year. Maybe you lost your business. Maybe you lost your marriage. I don't know what you did. Maybe you lost people in your life. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I can guarantee you this, that every single person in this room, if they haven't yet, which they have, is going to understand that life is hard. And, and the thing that I have a hard time grabbing a hold of, and not, not accepting in my head, but grabbing a hold of, is this. Do you know every single time you close your eyes, or if you're driving, please don't close your eyes, when you pray, every single time that you pray, you're praying to the God that spoke the world into existence. And I, me, maybe you, we have a hard time going, God, I'm just really not having a bad day. Do you think he could help me? Do you think he can help you? He spoke the world into existence with his mouth. We have to understand who this is. It should, man, I'm telling you what, I, I, am, a, I am just a repeat song. Just I will play a song to death eight times. I was cooking coffee this morning. There was another couple people in the kitchen. And we just put that song on repeat. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Listen, that's the hope that we walk. If you're a follower of Christ, that's the hope that you walk through this world with. Oh man, I've had an addiction for 20 years. Jesus is greater than that. I can tell you people that are sitting in this room right now that you can talk to. Matt, my marriage, is, my marriage is getting ready to blow up. You come talk to me. The first five years of my marriage, my wife should have left me, and it was having to do nothing with adultery or cheating or anything like that. I shouldn't even be here. But Jesus is bigger. He's greater. He has a plan. Listen, the same, the same exact God that spoke the heavens and the earth into existence looks down through history, through the cross which his son was on, and he sees us, not on our best day, he sees us on our worst day, and he says, I love him. And some of you need to understand, you need to grab a hold of, God loves me. Maybe you need to look in the mirror, you need to go home, and get out your compact or your makeup and say, God loves me. And you need to say it enough until you believe it. God loves me. I'm a wreck, yeah. God still loves you. Listen, you, you have something that the angels don't. Did you know in scripture you can read that the angels are jealous of you? The angels, the fiery dudes, they get to be around the throne of God for eternity. They are jealous of you and I because we can have a relationship with God that they, it, that's a foreign thing to them. They cannot do it. Us, the messed up bunch of us, have the opportunity to have a relationship. That's why, that's why when, if you see me down here and I'm worshiping, just never mind me. Because I'm telling you, because Jesus is greater than what he's brought me out of, I can't not worship. He's that good. Golly, he's so... Listen, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. Genesis 1-1, John 1-1. Everything was created through him, by him, for him. For who? Us. We were literally and metaphorically giving, given the biggest sandbox in the history of the world to enjoy and play in. You know why? Just because. Well, why did God create the Grand Canyon like that? Because he can. Well, 
I'm just not so certain on the age of the earth. It's as old as God made it. If he made it mature, if he didn't make it mature, if it's 6,000 or 600 billion years old, that's a discussion for another time, and it doesn't mean that I don't believe the Bible, okay? But in the beginning, when it started, there was a black void. I had a guy ask me one time, he said, now before creation, it says that the earth was formless and black and void. And he said, what do you think that looked like? Just think with me for a second. It's black, formless, and has no shape. Tell, tell me what that looks like. I said, I don't know. Dark? <laughs> I asked a connect group a couple weeks ago. Man, I got straight up served on this one. I asked a connect group. I said, we're talking about lighthouses and lights being you know, on, and they are a beacon to make sure that the ships can go around the stuff that's, that endangers them. And I said, well, what do you think a lighthouse looks like at night without the light on? And he goes, you can't see it. It's dark. You're right. <laughs> Listen. God made the light of the world, the capital L, the light. The light. Who became human. He became flesh of our flesh. He, he became fully man. He's also fully God. He lives a sinless life. He goes to the cross. How in the world can you go through this world and not understand that God loves you? If you don't understand that, I would challenge you to read the book of John and get to know how much God loves you. It'll only take you to get to chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He doesn't say that to the blackbirds. He doesn't say that to the white-tailed deer. He doesn't say that to the caribou or the fish or the crappie or the bass. He doesn't say that to anything in nature except you and me. Well, I'm not special. You are beyond special. Some of you need to ask God, maybe this week, I kept telling you uh, in the past about my dad, every time he's with my girls and my sister's daughter, daughters, he would hold them when they were little, real little, and he would hold them right here, and he would look at them right here, and he would say, you're special. Some of you need to understand, even, th- this, is not a, this is not an anti-manly thing, because guys, you need it too. You need to look into the face of God, and he needs to surround you and hug you like this. And, you know, it's, it's a manly hug, okay? So he, he holds you like this, and he looks at you, and he goes, Matt, I know that you've messed up. I know your stuff. I know the intimacies of your heart, but you're special. Man! That's what I felt like last night, 9 o'clock. I'm sitting on the couch trying to watch TV, but my friend sends me this song, and I can't stop listening to it. And Mary's going, wow, you're really into the TV show. And I'm like, have you seen this song? And she's like, no, but I'm probably playing on here in about the next you know, week. I said, well, probably. <laughs> Listen to this. You ready? In that song, it talks at the, at the very end, it talks about this. It says, if you ran out of the grave, I will too. What song did we sing this morning? I ran out of that grave. Have you been there? Have you been in the low parts of life? Have you been with the, with the stuff, with the junk? Have you been lost? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Maybe you're there right now. And I want to share with you something very, very, very important. Because, because everything was created for him, by him, through him. He comes to earth. Jesus comes to earth. He gives his life on the cross so that you can run out of your grave. You don't have, do you know that you don't have to stay dead? <laughs> there are times in my life that I never thought I'd be alive again. I mean, can anybody, you understand, you get this? 
And here we see, he sees the writer, he says, he says, they will never, or they will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. God will remain. His kingdom never ends. Do you know how blessed you are to live in this time, uh, this time of, of the world's existence? Do you know that this is a, such an awesome time? Do you know why? Because there are still people on this earth that you and I have contact with that don't know who Jesus is. And are you ready for this? And you and I get to tell them. Well, that's not very exciting. Really? I would like to ask you to go venture back to the time that you ran out of your grave spiritually. I would like you to go back to the time that you understood that what Jesus did for you and the acceptance. And you, you rem- I remember the first phone call I made. Hey, Grandpa. First phone call I made. He said, what's going on? I said, I just asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. And I'm telling you right now, if it could have been physically possible, my grandfather would have come through the phone. When I got to pray with my oldest daughter, after I was having an absolute horrid day, do you know how fast that day changed when Emma said, I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life? And I said, yes, you do. And I prayed with her. And I saw an intim- the intimacy of a kid, of a child, and she said, Dad, for the first time, I really understand how special God sees me. That's this God. That's this God. I can't not worship because that God paid my price. I couldn't pay it. You can't either. He paid a debt that he didn't know. The kingdom of God will never end. Look at verse 12. You'll fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. It's kind of a joke around my house. I have, I have some hunting clothes and some shorts that I've probably had for almost 20 years. Anybody have these, these articles of clothing at your house? And you absolutely refuse. You're not allowed by your spouse to wear them out of the house anymore. But they are not allowed to throw them away. Do you have this? You, some of you are lying. You do. Okay. So, so th- th- this, this, just came to my, this just came to my mind. When I, I was studying about this. It's talking about the, the temporalness. The, the temporariness of, of, of the things of this world that are not of God. They'll, they'll fade away. If you read in Revelation, we're going to have a brand new Jerusalem. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Somebody asked me one time, I said, what do you think heaven's going to look like? I said, well, you get, us some, get some blueprints in Revelation. Other than that, I have no idea. Other than somehow they use this, this material for streets. But I was thinking, <laughs> I, had a pair of, I had a pair of green shorts. Had, had, I almost had a funeral for these things, okay? I got them in high school, and they survived high school, they survived college, and the first three or four years of our marriage. I think, I mean, these, these were just the go, you have these, these, these things, these articles of clothing? Now, I'm gonna, let me show you what this looked like. The waistband could be completely seen, all the green things is just all torn, but then it started just, just being attached at the, at the seams, and then everything else was just kind of flayed out. and It wasn't, it wasn't inappropriate, but it was, everything was just falling apart. The pockets, all the liners had fallen out. 
I couldn't put anything. It had pockets, but they didn't have a bottom, so it was useless. Uh, the bottom had been, they'd been washed so much that they were all frayed up around the bottom. I lost the drawstring way back when. I don't know when that was. Probably got pulled over one time, and I just pulled it out because, you know, it's, it's really hard to get that done. But, but, but I remember having a conversation, and Mary came to me, and she had these things folded up like this. And she came to me, and she said this. She goes, I think it's time. Do you know what I first said? No! Hmm. I still got at least four or five more years. Now, if I was a bachelor, that may have happened, but it was my wife, and she said, Honey. No, it's time to let it go. So I made a casket out of a shoe. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't let her throw them away. I had to. I mean, like, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry, man. I'm, like, this is my, I didn't, I don't have a physical brother, but this is pretty close. I say, I'm sorry, bud. Um, I wonder if I could hide you. Yeah. <laughs> Now watch, watch. I don't say that just to be funny. The things that we hold so precious like that aren't the precious things. Jesus is never afraid. He's remained the same throughout my entire life. And he's always been there. But you always, you are always the same. You will live forever. And look at verse 13. And God never said to the angels, look at this, he never said, if you want to underline something, he never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. He didn't say that to the angels. He said that to his son. He said it to the son, capital S. There's only one place that Jesus belongs and he's sitting there right now. Right now. My buddy Bob, some of the people that you know this week, this past week, some of our relationships or our people that we were related to have entered, uh, have passed over into death right now. I'm telling you right now, if they're a follower of Jesus Christ, they are a part of the most unbelievable, spectacular worship service they have ever, ever been a part of. And they're looking at the right hand of God and looking at the face of the one that came and died and gave his life for them. That's how big he is. Jesus is on a different planet. He's on such a different level. Angels are created. Jesus has always been. And so you're like, why in the world do we just keep hammering this point? Because you need to get it. Some people in this day thought that angels were awesome. They thought that they were gods. So th- this is important. The Hebrew writer is writing this because, and now, by the way, every single time, speaking of the fiery ones and they were angels, every single time, That angels show up in scripture. Do you know what humans do? They flip their lid. They hit the floor. They bow down. They like, they shriek in terror. Oh my goodness. And it's the angel's job. And they had to say, hey, chill, 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 chill. That's not in the translation of this Bible. But I've never read where angels said chill. But that's what they're doing. It's chill. They said, "Don't, don't be afraid. I have no idea what they look like. But they must be pretty intimidating. Listen, these are, these, are, these are war angels. There are war angels that go to war for you. Do you know why? This is awesome. You know why the angels go to war for you if you're a follower of Christ? Do you know why? Because you're special. <laughs> you don't command the army. It's commanded for you. 
All you do is follow Jesus. Jesus is the singular son of God. Look at verse 14 and we'll be done. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. I found this funny, and I want, to, I, want this put, I, want, I, want, I want you to get this. Angels do protect you. Angels, plural. Watch this. Angels do protect us, but they in no way, shape, or form look anything like the, sh- the, the chubby angels on the Hallmark Valentine's cards. They do not wear diapers and float on clouds. Some of the angels in heaven were created just to worship God. Can you imagine their voice? Can you imagine? But Jesus is greater. Because he's the one that hung on the cross for your sin. And if you don't understand who Jesus is, I invite you to do something. I want you to come. I'll be down here in a little bit after I, after I pray. You come and talk to me. Say, man, I have a question about this. Man, I have a question about this. I will gladly stay here. For as long as you need to talk with me. But if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. Today the Holy Spirit might be talking to you. That hey. I've never put my trust in Jesus. I've never done that. Can I just tell you that there is not a better day than right now. Because if you wait. To get your life all together. To come to Jesus. It's never going to happen. If you could have got your life together. You would have already done it. All the angels are cool. But they're not Jesus. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Hebrews. Thank you for Jesus. God, I pray right now for somebody in this room or listening online or wherever they are, God, that does not understand who you are. God, I pray that, that you would make yourself known to them. God, that you would, that you would just create in them a sense of urgency that they need to get in a relationship with you. God, we beg you. Beg you to start a revival with us. God, help us this week, wherever we go, to a Super Bowl party later, out to lunch, wherever we go, God, that you would put somebody in our path that we could remind them how special they are. And to the people in this room that need to hear you say that they're special, God, I ask, I pray, that they ask you because I know that you'll tell them. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.